Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kehud Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Friday, April 7th. This year, the Feast of Unleavened Bread is from Thursday, April 6th to Thursday, April 13th. Unleavened Bread is a seven-day festival that is linked with Passover. Passover is celebrated on the 14th day of the first month, the month of Nisan, Nisan or Aviv. It is immediately followed by the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which goes from the 15th day to the 21st day of the first month, Aviv. During these seven days, we are to eat unleavened bread, also known as matzah. The first and the seventh days of this feast are Sabbaths. They are high holy days. As it is written in Leviticus 23, 6-8, And on the fifteenth day of the same month is the feast of unleavened bread unto the Lord. Seven days you must eat unleavened bread. But in the first day you shall have a holy convocation, you shall do no servile work therein, but you shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord seven days. In the seventh day is a holy convocation. You shall do no servile work therein. Eating unleavened bread represents being without sin. Unleavened bread in Hebrew is matzah. This teaching will explain how matzah is a picture of Yeshua and how unleavened bread represents being consecrated and sanctified to service unto Yeshua and the kingdom of God. The spiritual message of eating the Passover lamb is this. Believe the gospel. Believe that Yeshua is Messiah, the true bread of life. And then, once you have eaten the lamb, you eat the unleavened bread, which means don't sin. Don't live a sinful life. Pursue a holy life. Eating unleavened bread is an eternal command, as it is written in Exodus 12, 18 and 19. In the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month, at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the one and twentieth day of the month, at evening. Seven days shall there be no leaven found in your houses. For whosoever eats that which is leavened Even that soul shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he be a stranger or born in the land. Unleavened bread in Hebrew is matzah. Matzah is a spiritual picture of Yeshua, the Messiah. He has no leaven, no sin, and Yeshua is without sin. As it is written in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The matzah is a spiritual picture of the Messiah. The matzah is pierced, 
and Yeshua was pierced for our transgressions. The matzah is striped, and Yeshua, by his stripes, we are healed. The Feast of Unleavened Bread is to be kept for seven days. Unleavened bread was used for consecration. Part of our personal consecration to the Lord is not sinning. We are to pursue holiness. Unleavened bread was used for peace offerings. Unleavened bread was used for Nazarite consecration. Eating unleavened bread is associated with leaving Egypt. Unleavened bread was mixed with oil for different offerings. Once again, we see unleavened bread mixed with oil. This reveals to us a spiritual principle and application. The anointing comes when we separate, consecrate, and sanctify ourselves to the God of Israel. We are to keep the Feast of Unleavened Bread in sincerity and in truth, as it is written in 1 Corinthians 5, 7 and 8. Purge out therefore the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as you are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation for the Hebrew Scriptures and for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Pesach, and it means Passover. Ezekiel 36, 37 to 37, 14. This is what the Sovereign Lord says, I am ready to hear Israel's prayers and to increase their numbers like a flock. They will be as numerous as the sacred flocks that filled Jerusalem's streets at the time of her festivals. The ruined cities will be crowded with people once more, and everyone will know that I am the Lord. The Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, Son of man, can these bones become living people again? O sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. Then he said to me, Speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, Dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says, Look, I am going to put breath into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this message just as he told me. Suddenly, as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then, as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones. Then skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. Then he said to me, Speak a prophetic message to the winds, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath, from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. 
So I spoke the message as he commanded me, and breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying, We have become old, dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Therefore prophesy to them and say, This is what the Sovereign Lord says, O my people, I will open your graves of exile and cause you to rise again. Then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. When this happens, O my people, you will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit in you, and you will live again and return home to your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done what I said. Yes, the Lord has spoken. Luke 12, 8-34 I tell you the truth, everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, the Son of Man will also acknowledge in the presence of God's angels. But anyone who denies me here on earth will be denied before God's angels. Anyone who speaks against the Son of Man can be forgiven. But anyone who blasphemes the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And when you are brought to trial in the synagogues and before rulers and authorities, Don't worry about how to defend yourself or what to say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what needs to be said. Then someone called from the crowd, Teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. Yeshua replied, Friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? Then he said, Beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, What should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. And then he said, I know, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger barns. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, My friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool! You will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. Then turning to his disciples, Yeshua said, That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear. For life is more than food, and your body more than clothing. Look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for God feeds them. And you are far more valuable to Him than any birds. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And if worry can't accomplish a little thing like that, what's the use of worrying over bigger things? Look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. Luke 12, 
And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, He will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? And don't be concerned about what to eat and what to drink. Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. But your Father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and He will give you everything you need. So don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your Father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to those in need. This will store up treasure for you in heaven. And the purses of heaven never get old or develop holes. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it, and no moth can destroy it. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Psalm 78, 32-55 But in spite of this, the people kept sinning, Despite his wonders, they refused to trust him. So he ended their lives in failure, their years in terror. When God began killing them, they finally sought him. They repented and took God seriously. Then they remembered that God was their rock, that God Most High was their Redeemer. But all they gave him was lip service. They lied to him with their tongues. Their hearts were not loyal to him. They did not keep his covenant, yet he was merciful and forgave their sins and did not destroy them all. Many times he held back his anger and did not unleash his fury, for he remembered that they were merely mortal, gone like a breath of wind that never returns. Oh, how often they rebelled against him in the wilderness and grieved his heart in that dry wasteland. Again and again they tested God's patience and provoked the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember His power and how He rescued them from their enemies. They did not remember His miraculous signs in Egypt, His wonders on the plain of Zoan, for He turned their rivers into blood, so no one could drink from the streams. He sent vast swarms of flies to consume them, and hordes of frogs to ruin them. He gave their crops to caterpillars. Their harvest was consumed by locusts. He destroyed their grapevines with hail and shattered their sycamore figs with sleet. He abandoned their cattle to the hail, their livestock to bolts of lightning. He loosed on them his fierce anger, all his fury, rage, and hostility. He dispatched against them a band of destroying angels. He turned his anger against them. He did not spare the Egyptians' lives, but ravaged them with the plague. He killed the oldest son in each Egyptian family, the flower of youth throughout the land of Egypt. But he led his own people like a flock of sheep, guiding them safely through the wilderness. He kept them safe, so they were not afraid. But the sea covered their enemies. He brought them to the border of his holy land, to this land of hills he had won for them. He drove out the nations before them. He gave them their inheritance by lot. He settled the tribes of Israel into their homes. 
I want to speak to you today from our reading from Ezekiel chapter 37. And in this passage that we read, it's speaking about a plain that Ezekiel is gazing upon, and the plain is filled with scattered dry bones. And the Lord tells him to prophesy upon these bones that they would come alive, and that breath would enter into them, and that sinews and flesh would come upon them. And in verse 7 it says, So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied there was a noise, and behold, a shaking, and the bones came together bone to bone. But there was still no breath in them. And then the Lord told him, Prophesy to the wind, prophesy and say to the wind, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. And so Ezekiel prophesies as he was commanded, and the breath came into them. Now the $64 million question is, Who are these bones? What do these bones represent? This is where you have to pay very close attention to definitions. The Bible gives us the answer to that question in Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 11. And I'm going to read that verse again in the King James Version because I believe it's a more accurate translation than what we read in the New Living Translation. In Ezekiel 37, verse 11, it says, It is written, Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. So who is the whole house of Israel? The whole house of Israel is also known as Jacob's family, or the household of Jacob. And Jacob had 12 sons, which became the heads of the 12 tribes. So the whole house of Israel is all 12 tribes. One of those tribes is Judah, also known as the Jews. But the other ten tribes of the northern kingdom, they are the non-Jewish part of the nation of Israel. So this is a prophecy to the whole house, to all of Yeshua's family, to his entire family, the Jewish part of his family and the non-Jewish part of his family. And so what we're seeing then in this picture that's being painted is that these scattered dry bones are going to come alive. The rest of that verse reads as as follows. Behold, they say, our bones are dried and our hope is lost. We are cut off for our parts. Now, in May of 1948, the Jewish people who had been scattered to all the nations for centuries were able to return to the land of Israel and Israel became their national homeland. And so there has been a partial resurrection, but it is yet incomplete. And until the rest of the house of Israel returns and makes Aliyah and is able to return to the land, not just as a visitor or a tourist, but can live there long term, the resurrection from the dead is incomplete. So the Lord says, prophesy to them and say to them, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. As a matter of fact, if you visit Yad Vashem, which is the Holocaust Museum in Jerusalem, 
you will see that scripture engraved upon one of the pillars as you exit the museum and you walk through the plaza, you will see that very verse. And literally, the Jewish people, out of the ashes of the Holocaust, they came up out of their graves and they were brought into the land of Israel. And it is truly miraculous and it's fulfillment of prophecy, but it's not fulfilled in all of its fullness because the scattered dry bones will not be complete until the whole house of Israel returns. And in fact, the rest of this chapter that we haven't read yet, it talks about the two sticks, the stick of Judah and the stick of Ephraim. And again, this is talking about the Jewish part of the nation of Israel and the non-Jewish part of the nation of Israel, northern and southern kingdom, and that these two sticks would become one in the hand of God. So again, this idea of the dry bones coming together and coming alive is carried forward in the next part of the chapter. So coming back to Ezekiel 37, verse 11, where the second part of the verse says, Behold, they say, our bones are dried and our hope is lost. We are cut off for our parts. Well, the Jewish people have returned to the land, but the non-Jewish people who are part of God's household, part of the family, part of Jacob's household, they are cut off. Why? I think a big reason why the northern kingdom, the non-Jewish part of the nation of Israel is cut off is because we were cut off from our Hebrew roots. Our early church forefathers deliberately cut us off from the Jewish roots of the Christian faith. And they made decisions at the Council of Nicaea to to distance themselves from the Jewish roots. Um, The root is what supports us in the olive tree of Romans 11. And so our church forefathers cut us off from that root, the root of Jesse, but the root which supports the branches. So we were cut off and they said, okay, we're not going to keep Shabbat. We're going to move our day to Sunday. And we're not going to keep the biblical feasts of Passover and Sukkot and all the others, but now we're going to do Easter and Christmas. And so we were basically cut off from the Jewish roots of the Christian faith. It was hijacked and whitewashed and changed. And there was mixture and paganism crept in. And so now many, many Christians are returning to the Jewish roots of the Christian faith and connecting not only to the Torah, but also to the land of Israel and to the people of Israel, because there's a bigger picture here. It's not just about our little congregation or fellowship that we meet with on a Shabbat or a Sunday. God has a bigger family that you and I are a part of. And that bigger family includes Judah. There are 12 tribes, and Judah is one of those 12 tribes. And so we need to get off the road that leads us to Rome and get onto the road that leads us to Jerusalem. And reconnect not only with the Torah, but also reconnect with the land of Israel and reconnect with the people of Israel, the Jewish people. Because ultimately, Yeshua is going to heal the divide and the breach and the division that has happened over the centuries. And there's just going to be one people, one bride, one church, one one nation, and one king, King Yeshua. 
living in the land of Israel. Ultimately, in the final redemption, he's going to restore all things as it was before all the corruption came in. So now, please enjoy this beautiful song sung by Lauren Daigle called Come Alive, Dry Bones.
from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. <laughs>